Welcome to the Thrive Podcast, the place where you will get to know inspiring real-life women who dare to do the uncommon. They embrace who they are in their life's purpose, and most importantly, they thrive because of it. I am Olga Mueller, a personal success coach and speaker, passionate traveler, and unshakable believer that everyone deserves to live a life they love without ever having to feel guilty about it. Each week, I will introduce you to powerhouse women from all around the world to show you that you can create a fulfilling life you love, no matter the circumstances, personal history, or topic. Me and my fellow ladies are here to bust your fears, your feelings of guilt and shame, and boost your confidence to a whole new level where you are finally able to see that I can do it too. Get ready to dare, embrace, and thrive unapologetically with us. Let's do this. Hello, you badass people out there. I'm back and I've got so many things with me um, that I want to share with you over the next couple of weeks and months. Because after last season, um, with each conversation I had, I really noticed that there is a pattern of success that all of my guests share in common, even though each of their stories is completely unique. In fact, it's 10 things that have all helped them to create their personal success stories, no matter the hardship, no matter the difficulties, no matter the trauma that they have experienced, those 10 things were the ones that have helped them set up a life where they're, where they're finally able to embrace themselves, where they're finally able to pursue their life purpose and really make a good living off of that. So I call those 10 things the 10 secrets of thriving women. And I've put all of those 10 things for you um, into an ebook that I've created. So in the ebook, you will not only find out about what those 10 secrets are and what they really mean, but on top of that, I've added to each of those secrets um, a section with reflection prompts for you so that you yourself can identify, you know, where are you at with each of those things so that you can understand what it takes for you to get to that level of all those amazing women and really create that life that you want for yourself as well. So go check it out. Go to olgamuller.com slash podcast and download the ebook completely for free. So welcome to a new episode of the Thrive Podcast. Today I have a, a very basically uh, old friend with me because I know her already for at least eight years or so. And um, her name is Ana Lucia Jägersbacher um, and she's an education, pedagogy and business scientist who accompanies families in understanding their babies and toddlers' needs according to their developmental stages. In September, she moved from Graz to Libring, a smaller village in Austria where she uh, opened up a facility called Gartenspielraum. Here she provides parents and their small children a space to play, explore and develop based on the foundations of child educator Emmy Pickler. Furthermore, Anda offers seminars, workshops and speaking engagements and is working on her PhD where she researches the topic of third-party care for children below the age of three. And I'm so happy and thrilled to have you with us today, Anda. Welcome. Hello, Olga. Thank you for your presentation. <laughs> yeah. Sounds really amazing. <laughs> It is amazing. And, um, you know, I'm so happy to have you on the podcast because, like I mentioned, we actually met eight or nine years already ago. 
um, and uh, studying international management at an elite university. <laughs> and now, you know, eight or nine years later, here you are, you know, working now as a child development educator and systemic family coach. And um, I find it so, you know, inspiring and encouraging to see, you know, to see the path that you've taken over the last years and what you have established for yourself. And um, I'm really curious, not only for myself, but also for the audience to, you know, really um, hear the story about how all of that has happened and evolved because you don't just go one day from st studying management and being in business uh, to, well, turning or shifting paths. So let's say drastically because it's really two different directions so could you share with us you know how did that story you know go how did life bring in this totally new path for you well it's actually quite easy because I was always trying to find out what makes me happy mm. and that what that was the question that drove me to where I am now quite easy um, I had the difficulty, I would say, um, that I did not really know what makes me happy. Mm -hmm. I mean, doing something, you know, doing a job. And um, it was everything, whatever I did was easy for me. Easy school, easy studies, easy business administration, easy international management. Everything was fine. Everything was okay. I loved uh, different languages. I loved my internships in various multinational companies. Um, and so it was a big challenge for me to really find out who I am myself on the one way and on the other way, as I already said, what makes me happy. Mm. And I did realize during my bachelor degrees, I think that everything went really quick and I was very much interested in studying further international management and international business administration. But still, uh, I had the impression that what I'm doing is too quick and After studies, when I started my first job, I really realized, oh, um, this is not what I expected it to be. Mm -hmm. And first I thought maybe it's because we learn so much about strategic issues, about international business development, international leadership, multicultural uh, companies, and I thought maybe I'm just too young and not far enough during mm -hmm. my career in order to feel the responsibility and the sense of what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. uh, then I switched my first job and there I, again, I did not really find the cell, the sense in, in the activities and not my inner happiness. Mm -hmm. Although what, what I did was good and I had a lot of uh, real positive feedback, but me, myself, I could not find happiness or satisfaction. Mm. Did you know, did you, or did you have any idea actually, um, what happiness meant for you back then or was it just you know this this feeling of 
of something missing. It was a feeling of something missing. Because mm. um, objectively seen, I had a happy life and I was uh, very successful and I had everything what I wanted to have. There was nothing to strive for. Mm. But in my inner heart, I could not feel... It was a mixture out of sense of life, happiness, and satisfaction. I could not feel... I called it happiness. Mm -hmm. And I I could not feel this. It was really only about my inner feelings. And that's why I started to question myself. What's wrong? What's going wrong with me? Am I wrong? What exactly is wrong with me? Or is something in the system wrong? Um, Can I not cope with the system? Am I not a real team player? Do I want Mm. to be a single leader and decide everything for my own? What's my... Uh, yeah (laughs) problem yeah and then I thought well maybe it's because Mm -hmm. I could not really follow um my intuition somehow and I want to to develop or to create much more on my own and that's obviously not possible if you are in the very beginning of a career in a company yeah and in the second company, I, cre- I could create much more, but still it was not enough. Then I decided, okay, I had a good feeling at university. I go back to university. I start my PhD in business administration. I work there and I will be free to decide whatever I want to work on and so on. Well. <laughs> <laughs> How did that go? <laughs> um, I, I, I was not really... Um, how to say not really on the on the right way or the right direction yes I could decide on my own on what I work but still something was um, missing and then I had this inner feeling much more intense I was really disappointed this was my third job in business Mm -hmm. I mean okay it was university but I I wasn't happier at all Mm. So what would you say, because I feel like um, maybe for for people to mention, because you actually started with a career in consulting, right? And I feel that during our master studies, uh, I don't know, everybody wanted to become a consultant. That was just like you studied this this kind of uh, study program and this is kind of the path for you to go, I feel. And so you were you were following basically what you were programmed to do in a certain sense and I feel that that happens to a lot of people you know we just follow what other people tell us or what is expected of you and so how how did you um, kind of identify for yourself this kind of insatisfaction Um, because I feel many people they just ignore it they ignore signs or maybe they don't want to face them. I don't know. And they just keep going until they're completely burnt out. So is there maybe something that you can share with the people that has helped you to kind of, you know, become uh, become aware, raise this kind of level of awareness about, you know, something is not right. It just, you know, feels off or I don't know how that showed f- for yourself. I had this feeling that something is incomplete and I also had the feeling I had a feeling of what my strengths are and I knew that I love working with people. Mm -hmm. And 
during my first job, I loved all the relationships and interactions with our business customers. Mm -hmm. That was definitely my strength. Um, during the second job, I had much more HR responsibility and I loved working with people. And at university, I had, I had, I did not have customer or clients contacts, obviously, and I did not have a responsibility for human resources, but I, I worked with students, mm. um, during the seminars and courses at university and in all three positions, um, I saw that my strength is working with pe people mm. and this relationships that you have with human beings. Mm. So I knew this is definitely something, a resource. Um, I should go further or I should go deeper. Mm. And if, even during studies, I knew um, something with human resources is definitely a theme or... Um, topic that I really love, even coaching. Mm -hmm. I had a coaching seminar during my bachelor's degree and there I was so extremely enthusiastic about it. Um, that's why I knew, okay, this is something that that is mine. That mm -hmm. is really mine. That is not that, as you said, people from outside tell you what to do or you do a um, uh, master's degree, whatever, mm -hmm. and then you are in the field and actually you don't really feel that it's yours. So with me, it was the combination of, uh, I know I love working with people, but only this, and I know that, uh, I don't find the inner sense. And then I thought, mm -hmm. okay, maybe I should go out of business and out of economy and economics and all that stuff. Cause I'm not really interested in numbers and I don't measure success in numbers. That's really not mine. Um, yeah, and that was also the, the, the problem on uni at university because they measured success again in numbers. How many articles do you publish? Uh, mm. How much do you write? Stuff like that. And I thought, no, I really want to do something senseful that makes me happy, that belongs to me, that comes out of my intuition and that I am interested in fully. Mm -hmm. And I'm really... How do you call that in English? I'm really... I have very high, um, very high expectations. So um, I know if something is not going well as I wanted, mm -hmm. I will, I will change it. Mm -hmm. So I just didn't know, didn't know what to change, but I knew that I have to change something. And my inner goal was to find my job, my position, um, before I uh, decide for a family, mm -hmm. and. After the third job in economy, I told my husband, you know, I think that's not going to happen. Let's just <laughs> switch plans. <laughs> yeah, let's switch plans. And that was the best decision ever because I became a mom and together with my daughter, she, re she reminded me of my very, very first, um, how to call it? idea of what I, what I am going to be when I grow up and mm. uh, I knew I want to become a mom and have 100 children that was always my answer man that's a tough goal <laughs> after having one <laughs> well back then I did not know that it doesn't function biologically but, <laughs> but today I know that that 
that's something that comes from from my inside that mm. I love working with uh, babies and children, small children, toddlers, and their moms and their families. And I actually, it was a coincidence or even an accident that I met the pedagogy of Emmy Pickia mm -hmm. because there is an open room in back then we we still lived in Graz. We only moved here to in 2017, two years mm -hmm. ago. Um, yeah, and I, I, there was a room, and you could enter the room wherever you wanted in order to play with your child. But on that day, there was a picture pedagogy there, and I did not know. I just entered the room as I knew that it's possible, and saw her. Um, her name was Barbara. Mm -hmm. And I saw Barbara, and I saw the way she worked with people. And my daughter was, I think, six or seven months old back then. And I fell in love with her attitude because it was so special, the way you talk to babies and toddlers, the way you behave, the way you respect them, the degree of attention you give them. It was so special to me. I didn't see something like that before because usually you handle babies and children, I would say, well, according to, to, to their... Um, very often according to what they can already do. And mm -hmm. just because they cannot speak yet, you speak to them in a very strange way, <laughs> in a very babyish way, or you don't really believe that, that they have their own opinion from the very beginning. It's a kind of, I am much more experienced as a grown-up, so I will show you, I will teach you, I will... Uh, lead you somehow and yes leading is okay but teaching and showing is just to a minor degree okay and if you switch to this new attitude that you see children with a different uh, out of a different learn from them um this changes everything. And this was the, the special moment. I watched Barbara, how she speaks with, I think, a two-and-a-half-year-old boy with the respect and how much, um, how do you say, um, she had so much trust in, in his abilities. In his abilities, yeah. I could really see that he treats him the, the same way as she would talk to a grown-up but this does not mean that you treat children and babies like grown-ups it means that you treat them with the same respect and you are you beware you are you beware or you beware their integrity mm -hmm. and did you did you know about the concept uh, or about this let's say um mentality or base of the pickler um approach before you went to that group or was that like really something a mind-blowing moment for you I heard about it but I thought oh again a pedagogical concept I'm not going to go with that because I am somebody who trusts herself and I trust my feelings mm -hmm. and uh, I do do it intuitively and naturally and 
real, authentic, and not like somebody else tells me to do or any book tells mm-hmm. me to do. That's why I did not really yeah, take it for serious. But mm-hmm. then I, I was in the situation and it was totally different because there was a feeling, not just something that you read and integrate in your head and in your thoughts, but something that you really see and feel with. And I what, mean, I always and almost started to cry in that situation. Wow. I was about to ask, you know, what did it actually make you feel? The moment. Yeah. And the presence of the moment. And so what made, you know, th- this, let's say, let's call it this, this maybe minor incident from just what happened, but with a bigger, obviously, impact on yourself, what made it something that, you know, you you wanted or started to pursue as, as you know, a new professional path for yourself? I think that the main thing was that I I knew I'm not going to go, I'm not going back um, mm-hmm. into my old position. I'm not going back to business. I knew that I'm, I, I will do something totally differently, but I didn't know what. Mm. And I knew that I have to be open for impulses, for ideas, for new things. And that's, that was my, how to say, that was my attitude. I was mm. just open, but not aiming, not aiming anything. I thought I will let go. I will just let go. And I trusted that something will come because I trusted myself and I knew that I'm not a complete idiot. But <laughs> it's always a good thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was the trust in myself mm. and the attitude of let go because if you are open enough and your heart is open, uh, the things will find you. You don't have to search for them. Mm. Yeah, I love that because. I feel so often and maybe that's I don't know you you tell me but I think maybe this is also something that happened to you in the beginning you know when you when you feel that something is not right and you really want a change and you basically want it now because you feel so frustrated with your situation maybe already uh, you want to have to have it now and then sometimes we just we just jump on the on the first back best thing that comes our way and uh really learning to you know letting go and to surrender and to trust it sounds so easy and it is simple let's say but it's not easy and um but i personally think that this these are the moments when really you know things like you said things come your way then you're really open to receive things and it's not out of you know out of a need out of a position of desperation but really you know saying hey universe here i am i'm ready bring it Yeah. Yes, definitely. I totally agree with it. Trust yourself first and then trust the universe. And it's so simple, but difficult. (laughs) Yeah, hard. Yeah. And so um, how how did that then develop further? Uh, I, well, it took some time. Mm -hmm. I started my new career, let's put it this way. Uh, it, this was one and a half year, years later after mm. this moment. So it took me some time. I started to interact with Barbara. I asked um, 
her about well how she became a pickler pedagogy and mm -hmm. uh, I told her that I'm interested in it and I, that I find the way to talk to children really interesting and really um, heartwarming and she said well why don't you just try and go into the curriculum I ask the lady who is um, how do you call that Ausbildung yeah who does who like is... the the formation or the training the, exactly ask her the instructor and uh, you can talk to her and I said well but I I already read on the internet and it says you need to have five years of experience in the field and uh, the background and I don't have anything mm. and then she said well you know I I am an architect no. <laughs> And I said, oh, really? That's really cool. Okay, cool. Then <laughs> I can go for it. Um, yes, and I, I, I think that, again, it's the openness. Be open and trust yourself. And if you want something, then, then just go the first step and ask, 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 ask. Talk to people. Um, uh, gather information and go for it. Mm. Whatever it is. Yeah, it's like don't it, don't it take the make... first answer for for not for granted, but you know, as the only truth. Yeah, there are so many different answers if you just search yeah. the one that is the right for you. If you don't get the right answer for you, then ask for another answer. Hmm. And this again is so simple. But hard. Yeah, that's true. Well, it's it's like this. Yeah, the, usually, ev everything is pretty simple. But if you want, if to get something that you really want, uh, however simple it is, it's always going to be tough. It's always going to require work. And I think in the end, it's always the question, you know, how important is that to you? Because you could have given up, you know, and just said, oh, you know, you've tried three different jobs, and now that lady or on the internet it says you need five five years, you know, and you just settle. And um, I love the yeah. fact that you just kept going, and no matter how small how how small the steps were. Yeah. So did that lady then let you in? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I only had to talk to her for a very long time on the <laughs> phone, and I had to to write my whole biography uh, with pictures and. Not only a CV, but really telling her, writing her who I am, what I am, what drives me, what drives me to to this new situation, and so on. And then it was very easy. And in that in that time, was that just something that you wanted to try out, or had you already made somehow this decision that this is gonna be like my new career, or was that not in this in the let's say in the picture yet? Oh no, I was very focused and I knew this is going to be my new career. I I could not tell that this is the only career, but I knew that this is the start into my new career and I was 100% sure. And I, I I didn't care what any other was saying about it because I knew and I felt it in my inner heart. I felt that this is something that gives me fulfillment, pure fulfillment. I felt it in my heart that there is nothing um missing mm. for the moment and i said also that if i maybe if i was not so 100% sure they would not have taken me mm -hmm. could be but it was my inspiration my motivation 
And it was so pure. I loved it. I still love to, to think about it back then. It, gives me, it still gives me power and oh, makes me feel so good and so right as I am. Yeah. It gives me so much trust. So what would you say was, you know, that tipping point that then made you really turn your back on your, let's say, consulting career for good and what gave you the confidence to really follow through? Because you had, let's say, this, this smaller experience with Barbara, then you spent some more time with her. But is there anything that you could say like, oh, you know, that was the moment or maybe it was the accumulation of experiences that you had that just gave you this feeling of just really knowing, you know, 100% knowing and, and, and trust that this is it. Hmm. Let me think or let me feel, <laughs> to put it differently. What was it? For me, it was a little bit difficult because my husband, he uh, supported me 100% and he always said, whatever you touch, it turns into gold. You can mm -hmm. do it. If you want to do, you can do it. I know it. Uh, but at the same time, he always wanted me back in business. Mm. So he said, you know, for the first three years, you can stay at home with our child. And this was from the very beginning, our aim that we are together with our child and we um, form her. Mm -hmm. and, but uh, he always somehow, well, he sent me job positions, <laughs> things of some career websites or companies. And I always had the feeling that he, he he's a kind of comfortable person who goes with security and avoids risks. Mm. And had to detect this, Somehow I had to detect that his main challenge is to accept the risk we are taking. Mm -hmm. And um, for me, another difficult point was to let go the expectation that I'm going to make money. Mm. It was I'm something that I was really used to. I had, I always had my own money. Um, even during studies, I always had some jobs besides, and I knew that I need to let go this expectation in order to become successful. Because from the very beginning, it's a little bit hard. I mean, I don't have a startup, you know, yeah. and I don't have crowdfunding campaigns, and I, it's all my own money. And I started small with baby steps. Yeah. And how did you manage this? Because I think this is one of the probably most difficult points, and I include myself into this, um, this financial somehow dependency, let's say, of a secure job. Um, and to be okay with the fact that, you know, maybe I'm not going to earn any money for the next, uh, I don't know, period of time. Yeah. Um, I had the experience after my job, Uh, after my second job, when I switched to university, in my second job, I had a business car, a real big one, and I earned a lot of money, loads of money. And I was so unhappy. And I, I knew that I could go everywhere and buy whatever I want. Um, but I was so unhappy. And then when I switched into my second job, I... Um, went to university by by bicycle through the park and the sun was shining mm -hmm. and again i felt the moment 
um, I felt how happy I am in the moment with having nothing but a bicycle and the sun. Mm. Sounds again so simple, but it's so hard to accept. Mm. Uh, but it was an experience. It's it's I could let go through the experience that I have made that I am ha- happy with nothing. And even during studies, I uh, once had a period where I had very few money and I again did the experience or made the experience that uh, even if I eat the whole week baked potatoes, it's all good, really. Mm-hmm. They still taste good. I still love potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> With salt only. So I knew that I don't have to have a lot of money and mm. it's okay. Yeah, I was really, well... I was crazy. <laughs> to be honest, I was just crazy. <laughs> but I think I think sometimes it's it's that, you know, maybe that craziness or whatever you want to call it to take that leap. Because otherwise, you know, how will you allow yourself to, you know, just take take that step? Go into that un yes. uh, um, uncertain, you know, territory. Um you will never know. So, and you mentioned, you know, you start you you started out with really baby steps. So, could you share maybe a little bit about, you know, how you actually went about building the business? Because you're living in a super small town in Austria, and um, you're basically having a physical facility right now that offers, you know, families and their children this this space um, to play and explore and get together. But you know, from a business point of view, let's say it's quite limited. If you see it very cold, cold hearted, <laughs> because it, it's just it just depends, you know, on on the people, you know, who are who are in your in your region. So but, but now, you know, I, I see like just from a year ago, we talked more or less the, the last time or even half a year ago, you've made already a huge step into into growing yes. it. So, um, you know, how did you start out and how how did you take it now to a level where you don't necessarily maybe depend on just the people who live close by? Yeah. Well, the the funny thing is that I don't do anything. I, I I'm just being. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, it sounds simple, but it it isn't. Um, it's what I am doing comes from my inner heart, really. And this is what my clients see and feel. They are so warmly welcomed. We are so much connected. I can really see them. I can see how well, how to explain how you really see people when you are deeply connected and talk from your inner heart to another inner heart. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I don't I don't do any marketing. I mean, I in the first um, in the beginning. Obviously, I uh, asked uh, a lady here in the surroundings if I can rent the room in her facilities. Mm-hmm. And she was already doing something with children stuff, baby massages and uh, singing circles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I rented the room there and that's how I started. I started my first course I started with four participants and they are still with me. This is two years ago. Mm. And I, I did some 
advertisement and marketing things on Facebook and basically the most things online, but I also had leaflets and put them in the surroundings and so on. Um, and I think this, I had to do it for a couple of months, maybe nine months or so. And then I stopped because people were calling me and texting me and writing me emails that they want to come to my, um, well, I call it Pitya Spielraum, mm -hmm. that they want to come to my courses. And uh, I did not have any resources, any time resources anymore because I was so full. Hmm. So um, what, what I really did is I think that I was highly enthusiastic, highly convinced, mm -hmm. and it was something very personal. I invested in relationships very intensively. Uh, if there was a course mom with her baby or child who needed more interaction, I offered this to her uh, for free mm -hmm. because really, I think I really invested in people and in relationships. Mm. And this is something that they, they, they can, you can feel if somebody is real, if somebody, um, yeah, really cares. not only, yeah, not only in the moment, but in general. And that's, again my systemic background and I'm not only systemic when I'm working with family systems but I'm also systemic when I'm working and when myself I am when I am being when I'm myself mm -hmm. it's uh, yes they are clients but yes um, it's about people people and relationships and this relationship doesn't end after the client leaves your room mm. it's still there and if you have this attitude that you love people in general and you care for them and you can be a helpful person just because you have intense focused knowledge within a field, mm -hmm. this is something that I love to to pass on and this is something that they feel. Mm. And that's why it, it it's it's not important where I am and it's not important that there are so few people here mm -hmm. who who from the very beginning uh, they might not have interest but since all my other clients are talking about it mm -hmm. they often come just to see me and then they they feel it it's mm. all about feelings mm. they, that's thinking and I I go very um, quick very deep I really go deep I dive deep into their feelings and into their problems and into their solutions I mean they have the solution within them mm -hmm. but I am I don't care um if this is something that you should do or you should not do I I I, I just am because if you are connected to a person you are real and you you are direct right I mean from my very best friend I expect I expect her to tell me in my face what she thinks and what she thinks is helpful for me. Mm -hmm. I expect connection and I expect openness and I expect her to be heartful. And it's actually an attitude that you have towards a person and this attitude that I follow, well, I have it to everybody. So would you say that's one of the, let's say, success has been one of your success factors so far, like basically treating your clients like 
your best friend? No, no, not at all. This is not a method. Uh, my my success factor was that I was real, mm. and this is my personality. I am a very direct person and a very clear person. Mm-hmm. Usually, <laughs> I mean, there are periods where I'm really overwhelmed with everything myself, especially my own daughter. Mm-hmm. But in in general, I would say I am clear and I am direct, and if if I have focus, I go for it. Mm. Um, and I don't care what others say or think about me because I love myself. And this is nothing that is um, that should sound somehow, uh, well, how do you call it in English? Angebildet or überheblich. Yeah, like egocentric. Or... No. It's not egocentric. It's uh, something that I know because if I can trust myself and if I can love myself and if I can rely on my myself... I um I can be very open and I can be very heartful and I can be helpful and caring for others. Mm. Uh, and very often I thought, oh, should I do this and that, or should I say that this and that? What what if the others feel or don't understand it differently and it's going to be a problem and blah mm-hmm. blah 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 blah. Uh, and that was something that created insecurity and you cannot be successful. If you are insecure, you should rely on yourself and be very secure with yourself and with what you are doing. You should trust yourself. If you don't trust yourself and you're not convinced about yourself and about what you are doing, who else should be? How can you convince others if you yourself are not convinced? Yeah, that's very true. So what do you think? I mean, were there ever... Um, moments you just mentioned um, where maybe you were sometimes doubting or maybe you know this this famous imposter syndrome where you think you know oh but you know you're offering something but you you deep inside you feel like I don't but I don't have the experience yet or I don't have this or that yet Um, have there ever been moments and how did you overcome those to to get to this point of, you know, 100% conviction and self-reliance? Um, yes, very much. I had this situation very, very often because I started um, very early. I did not finish my training about the Pitla pedagogy when I started my courses. That was definitely too early. Um, but I have read a lot of books and I had... Um, I had collected a lot of knowledge and I knew that I I have it inside me, but uh, the only thing that is missing is experience. Mm-hmm. And again, when I come to when I came to the point uh, where I saw, okay, all my insecurities and doubts are not helpful for me. Mm-hmm. This makes me while working, um, how do you say? Well, weaker or mm-hmm. my job or my activities are becoming worse if I if I carry all these insecurities and doubts with me. So they are not helpful. But if they are not helpful, what else can I do? And then again, um, I tried to be real and I accepted it. So I did not want to or I did not accept from myself to act or behave already like a full professional mm-hmm. I thought hey I have just started let's be honest with me and let's be honest with my clients and it's all good mm. and then I started to 
to show myself with those weaknesses and with those insecurities. And I said, you know, I know I have all the knowledge and so on, but um, to be honest, sometimes I don't, I don't know the answer myself. And if I compare you or me or you with me and uh, what you're doing with, uh, if I compare it with what I, I am doing, um, with my daughter, for example, I also have this and that challenges and I don't know how to go further, but it's okay. It's all about acceptance, Accept, acceptance for what is and then the trust for what uh, you can already do and for what is going to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, acceptance and trust. And oh, yeah. And the third thing is to be real authenticity mm-hmm. definitely be yourself be real don't try to don't try to to be an apple if you're a banana you will always be a second rate <laughs> apple <laughs> i love that and would you say that um probably what most people would be afraid you know is maybe the reaction of the clients you know when when somebody would admit you know hey i've I've only been whatever in this for half a year, you know. Um, did 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 clients um, react in in any any negative way, or you know, did you receive any, let's say, negative feedback from that, or how did that? Yes. <laughs> yes, I. Well, I remember three clients who broke up <laughs> in the course. Mm-hmm. Um, and the worst, the worst uh, experience for me in that moment, mm-hmm. I mean, right now I can laugh about it, um, but it was a child psychologist mm-hmm. and she was really, really insecure herself. Mm-hmm. And I was insecure because she was a child psychologist. Mm. <laughs> titles. Yes, this titles. And I did a bad job because I was insecure mm-hmm. and I could not accompany her as she needed it. Because if, if I had been real and if I had been honest, I'm sure that we would still go together. Mm-hmm. He and her children and her family. But I wasn't, and I mean, it's not true. I I I started. I started. I I I I found out, or I've seen that. Okay, this is not the way it should be between us. Mm-hmm. And I offered her to meet on our own uh, mm-hmm. in order about it. So I was prepared to become real honest and mm-hmm. to tell her that she and all her knowledge makes me insecure because I don't have so much knowledge mm-hmm. or not that much young. experience yet mm. exactly um but then she denied so it was too late mm-hmm. my offer to her was coming too late and it was okay and with the other two it was um a similar experience I could not connect to their well, to their inner, uh, how do you say, to, to their inner feelings. Mm. Yeah, they, they had, they were to, they played a role and they had masks put on, let's put it this way, mm-hmm. and connect. Mm-hmm. And when I realized it was too late, yeah. 
But how did you, how did, I mean, it sounds easy, you know, now I th it's always easier when time has passed. But in that moment, you know, what helped you overcome those situations and not get, you know, discouraged and more driven into the story of, you know, oh, Anna, maybe you're still, you're really not, you know, prepared you're, or maybe you're whatever, you know, this and that. Um fall back into this kind of loser story where that can eventually you know drive people into just you know accepting or settling for you know maybe it's not the right thing for me um how did you prevent that from happening i think it's about acceptance again mm -hmm. because especially If you work with people, and I work very intensely with people, we get very, very close. Um, then I think it, it's really important to know that with some people you can connect and with others you cannot connect. But just because you cannot connect with some people, I mean, it's about relationships, right? Mm -hmm. uh, just because you cannot connect with some people, this does not m make you or a worse person or um, yeah and certainly it doesn't have to define you know your quality of expertise or value that you can yeah. bring to people and this is a decision that you make on your own you can decide to quit you can decide to see yourself as not good enough mm -hmm. or you can decide to accept yourself with your strengths and weaknesses and go for it further because it's okay Mm. So and if you have enough trust in yourself, and then again, right now I'm talking about uh, again about trust. If you have enough trust in yourself and you can rely on yourself, then it's all good. Then you can go through challenges like this. Mm. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I was not happy. I was not happy, and I I had doubts, of course. But at some point, I realized that doubts are not helpful, and then, well, you can leave it or you can change it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so um, let's have a look also, you know, at what it is that you're actually, let's say, doing. Because, um, like you mentioned, one of the main influences in your work is Emmy Pickler and her education concept. Um, what are maybe some of the biggest wake-up calls that you had as a mom? you know, through this concept, through her work, what were maybe some of the most, maybe the the most eye-opening um, yeah, insights that you got through her work, having a daughter yourself? Yeah, I think the biggest insight was to see that every human being has his or her own personality his or her own needs mm -hmm. and they stand alone they they do not interact or depend on somebody else's needs and that is really something positive to know who you are or to detect to to feel what you need and to have your own boundaries for this need. I mean, this is very complex right now uh, to only describe it in words, but let's mm. go for an example. Um, 
a very simple thing. Very simple, but still for many parents, hard to accept. Uh, feeding. Mm-hmm. So every baby, this is the most natural thing on earth, as it is sleep, um, knows on his or her own when I am hungry and when I have enough. Mm-hmm. And with breastfeeding, it's, I think, a little bit easier because you don't see the quantities you do not measure. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to trust. You're forced to trust. But when children start eating the normal food, many parents are insecure and they see what their children eat and think this is not enough or maybe this is too much or this is not enough of healthy stuff Mm -hmm. Uh, and they try start to regulate uh this you are only allowed to eat one lollipop a day or half an ice cream a day and not more because for two years uh you should not eat much more sugar because this is unhealthy for you so they start to regulate and they start to think that they know better the most natural thing on earth, what I want to eat and how much I need, they think they know better than the human being, the individual itself. Um, I think this is something that was the most hmm, somehow even shocking thing for me Mm -hmm. because I can see how much we try to regulate I mean, and it's not about eating only. It's also about moving. We turn our babies on their bellies to have belly time because we think it's good for them, because we think we can, what exactly do we think? That we can support their development. I mean, they are on earth in order to develop on their own and themselves because this is the what drives them. This is their inner a developmental need in, to develop, to become independent, to become strong, to stand up and walk on their own. And um, many think that many think many people, may, many parents think that it is helpful to support this in order to hold their hands or, as I said, to turn on the belly for belly time. What for exactly? What exactly do we want to push? What are we afraid of? Why can't we trust? our babies and children that they are capable of themselves and that they start doing things when they are ready for it. But it's funny that you mentioned this. I remember so clearly that, you know, I don't even remember where it said, but it was somehow maybe it was from the doctor's recommendation or whatever, but I remember this point, you know, and um, you're basically, I mean, when you become, especially first time parents, you're, you can allow yourself to be bombarded with all this information. Of course, you want to do a good job. You don't want to mess up and you want to, you know, basically be the best parent. And um, you, you just you just get all this in air quotes, you know, great advice about what to do and what not to do and how to do it. Also f- with, you know, the, the sleeping and creating sleeping routines and how to put them to bed very early on by themselves and all that stuff. So um, from your point of view, you know, how can we as parents and also becoming parents or maybe you also had the third child, it doesn't matter, but how can you, yeah, somehow lean in to this, Mm, let's say uncertainty 
and to not fall into this trap of information overload from all sides that want to teach you how to be a great parent? I think the answer is if you communicate out of your heart. If you turn your baby on the belly for belly time and your baby is frustrated and is going to cry, what does this tell you? (laughs) Every mom feels it that obviously this is not good for her baby, right? But they do not ask, oh, uh, why isn't this good for my baby? They ask, what can I do in order to make my baby happy during belly time? Mm. And they and this is because they don't trust themselves. So communicate out of your heart, stay connected, and trust yourself. I think this is like um, a very a very tough thing, especially when you say like when you when you are when you trust in yourself and your gut feeling when you are connected, which I feel most people, to be honest, are not. Um, yes. And you get, yeah, and you get those those messages, you know, who tell you, you know, you will be a bad mom if you don't do X, Y, Z, um, to well to get to that level of, you know, saying, you know what, even though I'm reading it all over the place, but like you mentioned, I see my my baby crying there, um, screw what they're saying, and I'm just not gonna do it. Thing that takes a lot, a lot of of courage, of um, self-trust. So are there any advice, is there any advice that you can give to especially maybe young mothers to, you know, develop the self-trust more in themselves? Because I also remember from just, you know, pregnancy, because I had um, uh, a breach Uh, my baby was in breech position uh, for a labor and almost all doctors would advise me to, you know, do, do a C-section and to do it this way and to do that way and be careful and all those things. And it wasn't so easy to just, you know, filter it out. But in the end, I actually did what you, you know, you just mentioned. It's like, you know, everything will happen as it has to happen. Um, but it's not that easy to cultivate that. You need to do a lot of self-work, I feel on yourself first so that you can then help your children actually. Um, but maybe from your experience and also from all the parents that you've already worked with, is there any any advice that you have that can help them to cultivate that inner strength, that inner trust a little bit more? I think the easiest thing is never stop asking why. If somebody tells you or you read in a book this and that should be done in order to become a good mom or this is helpful for your child, then ask yourself why. If your child is crying with whatever you're doing, changing diapers, child is crying, um, you want to get dressed and the child is crying and says no and doesn't want to ask why. Mm. Why is my child uh, crying? Why do they recommend this and that? Why do I say no? Why am I willing to do things and others I'm not willing to do? Mm, I think this is one thing 
in order to become an explorer or somebody who does not take things for granted, not even knowledge. I mean, I would call myself a scientist because since I started university, I'm still studying mm-hmm. and exploring and uh, searching for new knowledge and connecting <laughs> or interconnecting knowledge. And it is helpful to not take things for granted. And yeah, how can you trust yourself? You know, the thing is that we are all educated that way to become to become part of the society, to become people who are, well, we are needed for the society and for the economic system and let's call it system on the whole. And this is how we are educated in order to function and in order to be worthful for others. And if you are not worthful for others, you might be called, well, not social or mm. Well, in German, you say asozial, asocial. I don't even know if there is this word in English. <laughs> but uh, we are afraid of being alone. Yeah. And that's why we function. And we function much better for others. And we forget ourselves. And we forget ourselves and our own needs because we learned or we got educated to do it in order to function for others because this makes it uh, helpful for the system in whole. We so much learn this that we not only forget who we are or what our own needs are, but we even, well, we lose ourselves. Yeah. We lose ourselves and then we feel lost and then we are so much afraid that if we don't function any longer and if we don't um, do what others say that they think is important because they are the experts Mm -hmm. of my child. I mean, this is uh, a conflict or can't be true. Uh, if you are the mom and you think that somebody else is the expert for your child. Mm. Because we are so lost and because we have so, we are so afraid of being alone if we don't function for others and if we don't do as others say, um, we don't trust ourselves any longer. Well, it's your, yeah. your, you're basically trained to, you know, to somehow ignore your self-trust because like you mentioned you have to fulfill other people's expectations other people's needs um at a certain point you just stop thinking about yourself completely and it's just about it's just about social media and it's just about your parents and it's just about your colleagues and what people will think and um you just turn off your your yeah your own, your own, I don't know how to call that, but well, yourself, your own, yeah, your compass, your inner compass somehow. And you function and you bring results and you, you feed your ego, I would mm. say. Uh, and you make yourself and your, your happiness and your satisfaction and your trust in yourself, your integrity, you make it dependent on something that is happening outside that you cannot control because you cannot really control um, how a person reacts on you. I mean, of course you can 
bend yourself and 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 be like a snake and uh, <laughs> try to be comfortable for every for everyone but in the end you you lose yourself even more and the best example is i think are uh, a sportsman mm-hmm. real highly successful mm. sportsman um who uh, who are really really successful and they make their happiness or their inner self-confidence their self-trust dependent on the feedback of others on their fans on their trainers on their Mm -hmm. results and so on and suddenly if they have an accident or well if they become their career is over and then they fall in a deep deep hole where it is dark where they are lonely where everything is what they were afraid of Hmm. so if you know if there were let's say three things that you would want any parent to know um about you know creating maybe a great parent-child relationship or um how to approach maybe parenting um what would be three three things that you really, if you had that power, you would implement into every parent's kind of mind? Hmm. Mm, yeah. Hmm. I would say. Hmm. Care for yourself, because if you care for yourself, and if you feel yourself, and if you are very clear about your needs and about your boundaries, then you can care for your baby and your child perfectly. Mm. Because if you, if you feel good, um, everybody else in your surrounding will feel good as well. That's true. And then the second thing is whatever you do, let it be easy because if something is hard or difficult this should be this should ring your alarm clocks Mm -hmm. this tells you that uh something is not going right so whatever is is easy for you and feels feels easy um is i think good uh as long as it goes in accordance with your needs your needs and the needs of your family obviously Mm. and the third thing is always always show your child that he or she makes you happy um and this means we all want to be worthful you want to be worthful for your husband. You want to be worthful for your friends and uh, for your even in your job and for your child. Obviously, this is a basic needs of a basic need of human beings. And if your child gets the feeling that you are worthy and important for me, and you are the reason for harmony and happiness. Mm-hmm. For you, yourself, for me, for our family. I mean, not only the child for the family, but obviously you yourself for the family. So uh, everybody is a part of the family. 
but it's about happiness. We sometimes forget to tell our child, I love you as you are, and you are completely right as you are, and you make me so happy with everything. We are very often too much in the functioning modus and want to teach our children something and we want to teach them how to sit at the table and we want to teach them how to uh, stay clean and uh, mm. how to clean their nose and how to whatever, how the world functions and so on. And with this attitude, we really forget about the moment, about the happiness in the moment, about the sun that is shining and the child from the very beginning gets this feeling of being here on this planet means that you always have to do something. Mm. Yeah, I think sending our children this message of, you know, you are enough. I think if you if, yeah. if you just accomplish one thing as a parent, which is showing your child that whatever happens whether they screw up whether they whatever break something whether they're screaming or whatever that they're still enough and that you still love them i think this is the best um let's say confidence and resilience and whatever booster that they they can have from my point of view yeah they are enough and this is enough in order to be happy and nothing more has to be. <laughs> so, um, what would you? Um, is there one message that you would like to, you know, leave if you could, if you could reach all women in this world? Um, would there be one message <laughs> that you would like them to know about themselves? Maybe about them being a mother, about you know how to trust uh, themselves. I don't know, but something that you would like every every woman to know out in this planet. Wow, this is a big thing. <laughs> I know, a lot of responsibility. So you have like five seconds to think about this one message. <laughs> one message to reach, reach all women outside. Well, hmm. find yourself and stay there. <laughs> hmm intuitively authentic authentically uh, real loving yeah be yourself mm. yeah i like to keep things real as well um and how about yourself you know one thing i always like to close off is um the three nuggets of wisdom so if there were three things that you could um, communicate to your to six-year-old Anda at this moment uh, <laughs> about herself, about life, about you know what you want her to know. What would those three things be? Hmm. I think it's what you said. It's okay. You are perfectly okay. Perfectly okay as you are. Yeah. You're perfectly okay as you are. You can trust yourself. You can stay with you. You don't have to function for others. You just have to love yourself and trust yourself. And it's all good. You're not dependent. 
you're not dependent on others. I mean, obviously, with six years, you are dependent. But in general, in life, you are not dependent. Mm. Whatever you do, you can decide and create yourself. Even happiness, even love, even self-care, even self-trust, everything. So were there were those three things like all mixed up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say you don't have to do anything in order to be loved. Mm. You are already perfect as you are. You are already lovable. Mm. You don't have to do anything for it. I love that. That's a very beautiful message. And I think that a message that we should, you know, share with ourselves more often. Yes, definitely. Because in the end, you cannot make anybody love you anyways. So just, you know, start with yourself and start with loving yourself and giving yourself, you know, the, the appreciation and the treatment that you deserve. Yes. So, Anda, how can people work with you and where can they find you if they become interested, if they would like to, you know, be coached by you, if they want you to speak at some of their maybe events or something like that? Where can they find you? I think they can Google my name, Anda Lucia Jagersbacher, <clears throat> or they can Google Gartenspielraum and then they will find my website and my contact details and they can call me or they can write me a, an email or a text message or they can write me on Facebook whatever I'm not on Instagram <laughs> maybe I should but I don't know how it works <laughs> <laughs> I become old <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay but cool yeah Google. <laughs> all right so go and look for Anda, Anda Lucia Jagersbacher. And um, Anda, thank you so much, you know, for being here with us today, for sharing, you know, your story. And um, I think some very important reminders and learnings for all the mothers and parents out there who might, you know, listen to this. Um, and so, yeah, all I'm left to say is really thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into the Thrive Podcast and spending your precious time with us. If you found this episode valuable and think that others could benefit from it too, please share it with your network, friends, and family. I would also be forever grateful if you could go over to iTunes and leave us an honest review about the show. And if you have a comment, question, or topic that you would like to see covered on the show, go to algamuller.com slash thrivepodcast. So see you next week, girl. And until then, don't forget that you were meant to thrive.